This whole conversation was just an LSD trip. Watermelon, watermelon, watermelon. Everyone you hated is here. We're losing our grasp on the facts. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that intends to write a strongly worded letter to the White Star Line about all of this. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. And so we lived happily together for 300 years in the land of Tirnanog of eternal youth and beauty. Well, of eternal uh, youthishness <laughs> and moderately attractiveness. Right. I mean, we're not hideous. Yeah. You know. So there's, so there's that. We're in the land of somewhere. Yeah. We're in the land of meh. <laughs> right. <laughs> Born and raised. Uh, we have one new country to report this week. It is not a surprise. It is Guyana, as was written to us by our cousin from Guyana. So thank you. And uh, yeah, keep those countries coming. Welcome. <laughs> uh, we want to announce our schedule for the next couple of weeks leading up to the first of our season three Downton Abbey podcast oh my god oh my god oh my god i know it's so close i'm yeah. really excited uh so the week of november 26th we're gonna have a room with a view starring maggie smith and helena bonham carter i think I, or is I, that wings of the dove or is it all of the merchant ivory films like i, I just well i i don't know but i am excited i, I do know you know maggie smith is in it and that's the right. point well and i've never seen that movie and it's, yeah me neither you know, it's a movie so. i think maybe i either read or didn't read the book in high school <laughs> i can't recall right uh yeah basically you know i don't know much about it beyond the title which is not very informative yeah it's about so, a room right like we're in a room with a view right mm-hmm. now we uh, are are we having adventures not that i know actually of. i think actually the the point is that they don't have a room with the view and then they want one. Oh, well they can come over here <laughs> <laughs> it's too late tom oh. it was set during the edwardian era they're they're dead yeah well uh then the week of december the 10th we'll be doing a second tom repeats history fashion backwards episode how exciting yeah it is going to be pretty cool we're going to tie up some some things that people have requested that we address mm-hmm. uh including black edwardians and uh pregnancy no, wait we already did sh- we don't know yet look we listen <laughs> it's a while yeah it's like a month away yeah we'll we'll, we'll get it figured we'll out. cobble something together <laughs> Uh, and then we have a holiday treat the week of December 24th. We'll be watching Mary Poppins. Hooray. Uh, per the request of some cousins who wanted something that they could watch with their kids. Yeah. Uh, although I probably, you know, I thought about trying to make the podcast for Mary Poppins family friendly and then decided against it. It's, for, it's really not playing to our strengths. It's not playing to our strengths. <laughs> and number two, your kids don't care about us. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, who are these weirdos that my mom likes? That's an excellent point. Uh, so that'll be fun. And then uh, the week of January the 7th is going to be our first episode of Season 3 for Downton Abbey. And I am stoked. <laughs> As am I. Yes. yes. It's going to be a great way to kick off the year. So mark your calendars, cousins. That's what's uh, that's what's happening. All right. Okay. So on to telegrams from our cousins. And our first telegram comes from Cousin Chris, who writes, So... As someone who has mountains of work to do, I decided instead to break down the Titanic's deck plans and give y'all a where-it-happened schematic. From the boat deck to the tank top at the bottom, you now have a play-by-play of Cameron's Titanic and a little of that shitty fellow's one, too. I attached it as a PDF if you wanted to post it, and just for ease. The deck plans came from EncyclopediaTitanica.com, and I added the content for the events. Happy sailing! Yeah, that's very impressive. That is. It's awesome. I exactly think you will all be very pleased when we post it. Yeah. It's just it's just nice to be able to get a sense of the geography because the boat right. is so huge. Right. And I mean you know, and Cameron does a decent job mm-hmm. of, of keeping you oriented, but still it's there's plenty you know, particularly in the interior of the ship, there's plenty of times where it's not really clear exactly. where you're at. So uh, we will post that along with uh, the things that were mentioned on the last podcast, which we have thus far neglected to post. Oh, right. <laughs> so we'll get those up. Yeah. We swear. Hopefully no one has stopped listening in a huff because <laughs> we have failed to do this. <laughs> cousin Miranda, our third cousin twice removed, writes, Dearest cousins Kelly and Tom, as I made my way into work through the strong winds and pouring rain of Hurricane Sandy, well, the inland version of it, I was cracking up at part two of your Titanic podcast. I can honestly say that you kept me from suffering a nervous breakdown as I struggled to stay in my lane. 
At 15, I was the perfect age to be completely sucked into the movie and saw it five times in the theater. I actually dreamed about it. Can I just say that I am so glad someone else agrees with me that Leo is just not a good actor? <laughs> a note about Robert Altman and Gosford Park. This is from the first Titanic podcast. When the film came out, Altman was coming off a several-year-long slump, and I believe that many people considered him to be a director with his best work far behind him. Gosford Park was considered a return to form for him and one of his biggest successes, both critically and in terms of box office. I did have a question for you when you start recapping Downton in January. Are you going to look at the comments left on the Facebook open threads before you record the podcast? All right. Uh, to answer your question, yes. Yeah. Yes, we will. Mm-hmm. That is part of why we did the open thread so we could get people's unadulterated feedback. Yes. Uh, and and a little uh, filler content. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> We're all about the filler. Yes. Uh, so, yes, we will be checking that out. I'm actually really excited to be able to look. Oh, yeah. I've been assiduously avoiding it as have i i mean and i get i get you know i get an email every time somebody posts one and you I can can't. you can turn that off you know no i can't okay <laughs> uh yeah and uh as we said on facebook and twitter we're thinking of everybody affected by hurricane sandy mm-hmm. uh and hope that nobody who listens to our podcast was affected too seriously indeed yeah uh next we have a telegram from cousin phoenix who writes, Hello again, my dear cousins Kelly and Tom. Yes, I listed Kelly first because I'm very much against the whole women and children first deal, along with a guy holding a door for me. I have hands and arms. I can open a door for my damned self. Anyway, I wanted to say that I too avoided watching Titanic until 2011. I was in fifth grade. I was about 13 or 14, possibly younger. I don't recall, honestly. I avoided it simply because every single girl in my school, 300 to 400 kids, was in love with that fucking movie, <laughs> Pretty much every day that year, all the girls sang that fucking song. Sorry. I have a lot of animosity toward that film and that year. I only watched it last year because it was on TV and I was bored out of my ever-loving mind. I honestly wish I hadn't watched it, much like Eraserhead. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, about Billy Zane, that man can do no wrong. He's gorgeous. And yes, Tom, Kate Winslet is stacked fairly well. I shall finish here and let you get on to other things. Still looking for a decent pick of the DA cast so I can embroider it for you. Have a wonderful evening, as I am writing this at 8 at night Utah time. Ever faithfully, Dame Phoenix. Uh, I like the comparison between <laughs> Titanic and Eraserhead. Right. That may be the first time that comparison has I, ever been I made. I would lay money. So <laughs> thank you for making that happen, Dame yeah. Fee. And uh, opening new fields in film criticism. Mm-hmm. Our next telegram comes from Cousin Laura. Ahoy, ahoy, Cousins Kelly and Tom. I am loving the Titanic podcast and telegrams from all the wonderful cousins with intelligent details and insights. I also completely agree with Cousin Carrie, who laughed out loud when you mentioned the My Heart Will Go On radio version with the movie dialogue. If I remember correctly, there was a version of Bruce Springsteen's Secret Garden with Jerry Maguire dialogue, but Tom Cruise's You Complete Me will never compare to Leonardo DiCaprio's Don't Ever Let Go, Right Before She Let's Go. So tragic. (laughs) Speaking of tragic, I have two things to share about my professional life, which are completely and forever tied to the Titanic. As an education major graduated in December of 1997, I was forced to substitute teach for the spring of 1998 until I could start a regular position in the fall of 1998. In February of 1998, I was subbing in a local high school history class where the lesson plan scribbled on a yellow steno pad read, a student will bring a movie. Play it. (laughs) Needless to say, a student entered, approached me at the desk with a short, you're the sub, and dropped an unmarked VHS on my desk. (laughs) I put the movie into the VHS player on the bottom shelf of the 19-inch TV card, and lo and behold, it was a bootleg copy of the Titanic. I know it was bootleg because obviously the film was still in theaters, and I could see the heads of people (laughs) in the row in front of him. It was like an episode of Mystery Science Theater or something. I was so pleased that the class period was not long enough to see the draw me or get a car scene because I didn't want to end my career before it actually started. My career as a high school English teacher has lasted these 15 years, but unfortunately for us all, the massive popularity of the Titanic that you spoke of in the first podcast has not. It was a sad day when I realized that this film is older than my freshman students and that they no longer appreciated my 30-second bunny movie-style reenactment of the Titanic as a way to teach the perfect tragic plot structure. That lesson used to kill. Now it's just embarrassing. But trust me, nothing works better as a setup to a good Romeo and Juliet unit than a good Rose and Jack compare contrast lecture. It's practically West Side Story underwater, and I, for one, 
And I, for one, am depressed that it is no longer a teachable moment, as they say. The moment has passed, but you two cousins are not at all the past, but the future. And I, like the two of you, am waiting to watch season three of Downton Abbey until it is on PBS. So I have that to look forward to in the future for sure. Keep up the good work and great job making your listeners laugh at inappropriate times while listening to your podcast in public. Maybe listening to Up Yours Downstairs should be considered a private matter, like all seemingly fun things of the Edwardian era. All the best, Cousin Laura. Okay. That is uh, that is some fun stuff in there. Um, I, when I read the, the phrase West Side Story Underwater, I suddenly imagined Baz Luhrmann like, pricking up his ears somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he uh, he's working with Leonardo DiCaprio already. This could happen. This could happen. And I, for one, would consider watching it. Wait on the reviews, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, finally, we have a telegram from Cousin Michelle, who writes, Good morning. I'm a relatively new listener to your fantastic podcast. I'm on season two, episode four right now, even though I'm caught up with the show. We watched season three, episode seven last night, and I'm enjoying this trip down Amnesia Lane. In the podcast today, you read a letter from Cousin Beckett. Is this the same Beckett from the History Chicks podcast? Because I love them, too. I had heard you read a letter from her before, but didn't catch a last name, so I couldn't be sure. Being forced to listen to your podcast on a recent road trip has kind of made my husband a fan of the show. He watched it with me yesterday and awarded Maggie Smith five Maggie Smiths. And I cannot say it enough, but watching the most recent episode made me want to punch O'Brien in her smug fucker bitching bitch face. I hate her with the fire of a thousand suns. I hate anyone who makes me sympathize with Thomas for more than a few seconds. I'm so excited to get through all the episodes and catch up. My husband was able to find a torrent of Manor House, and I will watch those as you podcast through the episodes. I watched it when it was originally on, along with Regency House Party, Colonial House, 1940s House, Frontier House, etc., and I'm so excited to watch again. Thanks for the laughs, Michelle. Uh, well, first things first, you are cousin of the week, Michelle, for coining the phrase smug fucker bitching bitch face. <laughs> that is right. That is going to be getting a lot of use around the <laughs> shenanigan household. <laughs> Uh, even though I'm not sure, I guess that's the most recent of the new episodes? The new episodes, okay. yeah. She said she was on season okay. three. Uh, and secondly, Cousin Beckett is Beckett from the History Chicks podcast, yes. uh, which I think I think it does come up in a later we episode. We mentioned but, it at some point, but it's always worth reiterating. So, ironically, Cousin Michelle won't get confirmation until she hears this. Right. And nor know that she is Cousin of the Week until a future week. Maybe we should email her. (laughs) (laughs) Hard to say. But in any case, whenever and wherever you hear this, Cousin Michelle, congratulations. Absolutely. Whatever week it is for you, you're Cousin of the Week. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Are we ready to sink this fucking boat? (laughs) I I think we are. Oh, my God. It's, uh, It's well on its way. Things are beginning to fall apart, or words to that effect. That's the, uh... I'm pretty sure that's the 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 scene title that that we're starting. No, with. I think it's more oh. like something about boats or something. Well, in any case, one of the scenes is called something like "Things are starting to fall apart." Yeah, uh, and we Chinua have- Achebe actually wrote uh, <laughs> the menu titles for this. <laughs> so there's there's chaos on the decks, right? Uh, I believe it's Murdoch, right? So he's screaming at all of these men trying to get the fuck off of the Titanic yeah. that he'll uh, shoot them all like dogs. I'm like, right. how How exactly do you shoot a dog? Is it like an old yeller situation? or? <laughs> yeah. And there's a shot right at the very beginning of the first scene of like one of the boats being lowered and a woman like kind of falling off of it. And or she's hanging onto the edge of the boat, and then some men reach out from the deck and pull her back in. Yeah, and they're like, "Don't worry, we've pulled you back onto the Titanic. <laughs> Everything's gonna be fine." <laughs> and uh, so Lovejoy and Cal are conferring. Right. Uh, it's important to note that Lovejoy apparently does not give a. Fuck. He is cool as a cucumber. It is insane to me. Yeah. It is so insane. He just he clearly seems to think he can he can weather this particular storm. <laughs> right. Yeah, and uh, he knows he knows where all the boats are apparently. He uh he just knows. Yeah. Well, he went out. I mean, you know, ship. he's been kind of like doing recon yeah. for Billy Zane. 
And so he's like, yeah, go talk to Murdoch. He seems reasonable, right. i.e. can be bought off. Yeah. Uh, but then he also tells Cal that he found Rose, who's on the other side of the ship, waiting for a boat with him. <laughs> right. And so then Cal looks conflicted for like right. half a second. And he's on the verge of getting on a boat. Let's be clear at this point. Yeah. There's a spot ready for him to go. And he's like, you know what? Rather than let a peasant save the life of my fiance, I would rather die. Mm-hmm. Like that is the choice that he makes. And I just don't understand it. Yeah. Because honestly, he could have it made, you know? Yeah. Get off the boat, go back to Philadelphia, marry some compliant woman. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's it. I mean, I suppose we're supposed to think that he like loves her or something. But like she's, there, there's look, no human component to this character. She's already ruined one breakfast for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you think things are going to be looking? Why up don't at you some just? Point? Yeah. Why don't you just cut your losses? Yeah. So you know. I thought you were a businessman. He. Uh, who does he have a proposition for? That's um, Murdoch. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just can't remember what, I don't remember. Yeah. So, well, anyway. Oh, wait, no. So, wait. But before he goes over there, he goes and finds Murdoch. Right. And he's like, I've got a proposition for you. And it's so, like, jolly and jovial. I'm like, I'll do the singing. You do the dancing. (laughs) We'll go on the road together. We'll open up in Boston and then a month later on to Broadway. (laughs) The cheerful Charlie's right again. (laughs) Uh, We get some shots of... uh, Tommy Ryan and Fabrizio. Fabrizio. Life is beautiful. <laughs> uh, coming up onto the deck where the band is famously playing on. As, as they do, yeah. Causing Tommy Ryan to quip, oh, now I know we're in first class. You know, class inequality. That old comedic chestnut. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. It's a bottomless well of laughs. <laughs> Much like the bottomless well of the freezing Atlantic. Yes. Um... <laughs> oh wait okay i don't okay i think at this point is when i think you're right love joy because billy zane like he tells him that he found rose and billy zane looks genuinely confused like are we still talking about that (laughs) yeah well yeah and and right because there's another scene in there when we see jack and rose running and some like passerby tells them where a boat is and i'm like why does any why does anybody know where a boat is other than where i'm running to right, right? now like no because oh, it is it's just on. some I'm old a... man like tottering <laughs> around in a top hat <laughs> yeah like he's out on the deck and he's like oh you know we're just uh we're waiting for the next you know we're yeah. waiting for the rush to die down <laughs> oh right we're hoping as we're letting the traffic clear. yeah yeah i'm just out here for some air I'm, yeah i'm yeah. Mm, had a little too much to drink yeah uh and uh then we we uh we get the the shot of bruce ismay you know yeah sneaking his way onto a boat right and you know i'm like you know well done you just out billy zane billy zane that's true bruce ismay like yeah. good job yeah uh yeah and then so so rose and jack have found a boat they're they're waiting in line there and and suddenly you know cal appears dun 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 um and they both agree that that you know rose should get on the boat which seems like the best plan at this Mm -hmm. point um there's a couple things going on in the background in this scene that i just noted because they amused me one was that lovejoy is standing behind them and there's, for one long shot, he's in the background and he's just like jostling back and forth, presumably because of the crowd, but either he's just faking it or they're just cut out of the frame and it looks like he's just being attacked by ghosts. And it's just really weird. It's like when people are in a play and they have to make like hubbub and they're like, <laughs> right. red leather, yellow leather, watermelon, watermelon, watermelon. Yeah. Yeah. And then also when it cuts, there's there's a shot of somebody that's just hanging off of a rope that's dangling over the side. And it's just sort of, he's just there. Like, he doesn't appear to be, like, trying to climb up or down or do anything. <laughs> he's like, you know what? What's the point? <laughs> he's like, hey, hey, nobody's on this rope yet. <laughs> I call it. <laughs> I mean, you might, I don't know how helpful a rope was. Hey, you know. I, I don't fault the guy. It was a chaotic situation. But yeah. Just, I was like, why is that guy just hanging there? <laughs> Uh, so then we get your classic Titanic trope. 
Right. Honestly, with the amount of Titanic-oriented programming we're going to have done by the time this <laughs> podcast runs its course, <laughs> yeah. I am going to make a drinking game called Titanic Tropes. Mm. So here is the one where all of the concerned men folk make a woman get on a lifeboat and then she jumps off of it. Right. I guess a child also. That's yeah. what happened in the other one. Yeah. Uh and I was like, good thing this boat is getting lowered in slow motion. Because <laughs> yes. like I was it like, gave her plenty of time to yeah. keep through her options. And yeah. <laughs> she's sitting there and that, you know, James Horner score comes in again and she's yeah. just like, ah, that song is stuck in my head. <laughs> And fire, you know, flares are going off behind Jack. And now she's gotten into the boat because Cal has promised that he's made a deal with one of the officers for both he and Jack to get in a boat. Right. Clearly, clearly Rose had not seen the Princess Bride. (laughs) (laughs) We are men of honor. (laughs) Lies do not become us. Uh, it is exactly the same relationship, actually. It is. Now yeah. that I think about it. Yeah. Who's, uh, who's Vicini? Nobody. <laughs> Lovejoy. Lovejoy is basically, uh, Count Rugen. Oh, Count Rugen. Yeah. Right. Count Rugen is the most evil motherfucker in that movie. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, the mom is. Well, uh, 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 Tommy and Fabrizio are, uh, Fezzik and, and Inigo. And Inigo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, who's, who's, uh, Miracle Max and his wife? Uh, they're both Victor Garber. That was exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye, Rose. Have fun freezing to death in the North Atlantic. Think they got a chance. (laughs) It'd take a miracle. (laughs) Oh, man. We gotta go as them for Halloween next year. That's a good idea. Oh, we should probably post our current year halloween costumes oh yeah that's true you guys like pictures right (laughs) (laughs) of us (laughs) no we don't care i don't think we've ever posted any photos of ourselves well we we posted a video of me that time that's true yeah in any case i mean there are copious pictures of me online yeah anyway if you've never looked at a photo of us though (laughs) i would be really interested in your rendering (laughs) what you imagine no that's an interesting interesting thought uh, but in any case, we will do that if we remember. Yes. So uh, we were talking about the Princess Bride. Because Rose has yeah, gotten yeah, off, yeah. The boat, or off the boat and back on the yes, Titanic. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah. So she's back on the Titanic. Now, okay, she jumps off to the deck, like... Below. But I think several decks below. And they somehow manage to find each other, which... Right. They both run to the same spot. Yeah, which is implausible. Unless they had an emergency plan as, you know instructed right. by the red cross <laughs> yeah. they're like all right listen if anything happens we're meeting back here at the stairs yeah which is uh you know that's a pretty central location yeah but uh yeah so they they run and meet each other and then cal who was standing right next to jack apparently just sort of dawdled along behind and didn't like try to keep up with him or anything yeah so when they get together I think they improvised like all of their dialogue because he's just over and over. You're so stupid, Rose. You're so stupid. And I'm like, that's mean. Yeah. I mean, yes, it's true. But like, don't kiss her. You're sending mixed messages. Like you can probably still drag her out there and just like shove her over the side into that boat. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, then suddenly for no reason. (laughs) Yeah. Billy Zane is like seized with jealousy. Yeah. And grabs Lovejoy's gun, which I call bullshit. Lovejoy would have broken his arm. Yeah. No, that's a fair point. Well, the other thing Lovejoy should have done, and I I said this at the time, as soon as Cal ran off after Jack, Lovejoy should have just hopped on a boat and peaced out. Like, you have picked the wrong horse, I think he's the devil, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Like, isn't there a character in Stephen King's Dark Tower series who's, like, the devil? Like, you can't kill him, and he's just always everywhere? Uh possible i i don't know yeah fuck stephen king <laughs> uh okay anyway or he's like anton Chigurh in uh no country for old men <laughs> he's yeah. just like whatever uh, yeah i'm invincible i'm going to slowly walk to a lifeboat mm-hmm. over the water <laughs> if necessary uh anyway so billy zane goes nuts and just starts firing a gun and everybody's like <laughs> 
like all the like the old men in their in their top hats drinking their brandy while they wait for death and like <laughs> i say oh boy bad form yes indeed he he shoots the hospitality pineapple at the end of the staircase <laughs> he does it's, it's in a symbolic destruction well and then ironically runs down the stairs after them and then slips and falls on the pineapple shard <laughs> Which is pretty great. And then is out of bullets. Like, I kind of want to see this set to the Benny Hill music. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, with a different, like, a change in focus and editing, this could have been called Titanic, the madness of Caledon Hackley. <laughs> Hockley. Hockley. Uh, and so Jack and Rose decide that it's prudent to run down right. toward the briny deep. <laughs> yes. I mean, to be fair. Yeah, look. Somebody, away from the bullets. But... Uh, at this point, haven't they kind of seen the writing on the wall? Like, they're gonna die soon. Uh, um, I think love is going to keep them alive, Kelly. Well, there's only so much love, Tom. <laughs> it's and true. only so much door to lie on. <laughs> it's true. Um, anyway, so they get embroiled in yet another pointless chase scene below decks. Yes. And, uh, various they, things continue to be under various amounts of water. They come across an abandoned child who's crying, and he looks exactly like he's from one of those Japanese <laughs> ghost movies. Like, like really leave! Does. Leave! <laughs> yeah. Get out of there! He's gonna crawl out of a well or something when you least expect it! Yeah. No, man, you're gonna get dragged down by demons. Like, you gotta get out. Yeah. So then his, like, Eastern European father, cause of course Jack Dawson and all of his altruistic idiocy uh-huh. picks up this fucking dead weight kid oh, right and then the dad comes and he starts like shaking he's like ah why did you pick up my kid i'm like why did you leave him there <laughs> you're gonna die it's <laughs> like listen i realized i'd forgotten my porn i didn't want him to see it <laughs> it's white star property now <laughs> <laughs> the forgotten porn of the White Star Line coming well, soon to the Smithsonian Institution. I mean, that is sort of the thing that kicks off this entire movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Huh. Yeah. So then uh, they're running down the hallway and there's right. some guy. Well, yeah. There's like an Indiana Jones wave. Right, right. And the lights are flickering throughout all this, which, I, you know, and I'm no electrician, but it seems like... They should. It seems like they should be out, or and the like, water should be electrified, <laughs> right? Or they should be on. Like I just don't see how it would be flickering per se. Well, and I I do kind of wonder if anybody out there, uh, you know, did experience any electrical problems during Hurricane Sandy, which was sort of the Titanic on land in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if that's offensive and in what direction. Right. I'm not sure either. So hopefully everybody's cool with uh, that. I think the body count was lower it for was Hurricane Sandy. True. But it is more recent. Yeah. So... who's Who's got the calculus on when it's appropriate to make jokes about maritime tragedies? Yes. Uh, but in any case, I don't... I mean, I don't even mean it as a joke per se. Just water... Right. Uh, electricity electricity being put out by flooding Mm -hmm. like isn't it just on until it goes out and then it's out like that to me although i don't know like i don't know how a ship's electrical system is it was just odd to me all the flickering light that's all i have to say uh well any master electricians out there please tell us your story (laughs) (laughs) um yeah yeah but with all the lights flickering it looks like they're at a rave (laughs) it does and then they wind up at a locked gate as Again, yep. I'm just like, oh god! I, it's just like James Cameron was like, well, need another obstacle, lock gate. <laughs> yeah, and uh, then some some guy is some, running you know, around, steward or whatever employee. I'm also curious. There's probably no way to know because I can only assume that these people are all dead. Right. Well, I mean, they're definitely we're, all dead now. Right, but. But, like, how many people were there just still running around, like, in the bowels of the ship at this point? Yeah. It's hard to say. Although, I I mean, I can't help but think – I can't help but think that at least one, if not more, employees at some point during this tried to see if they could grab some jewels and survive once Mm. all the first class were out. Just – just a thought, throwing it out there. Yeah, but, but this this was not first. That was more like steerage or second class. Yeah, that's true. 
Um, anyway, so he's he's like running up the stairs, and they're like, "Help us, please! Help us! We're stupid." <laughs> They used those words, too, which was odd. <laughs> I told you they improvised all their lines. <laughs> so he... Does he say, bugger me? I don't remember. He Somebody said, says that at some point. Yeah, but. he says something disparaging about his own idiocy and trying to help them. Yeah. So he's got this key ring, which he apparently doesn't understand how to use. Yeah, he's like, I'm sorry. I'm not really an employee. I'm Peter the Painter. <laughs> <laughs> Are you Italian? <laughs> I'm only going to rescue you if you're Italian. <laughs> Love your food. See, life is uh, beautiful. Eh, wrong. <laughs> anyway, he drops the keys and then wets his pants and runs away. <laughs> right. like, <laughs> this guy got his SAG card for this. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Leo goes down underwater and finds the keys. Can you open your eyes in seawater? I, I I think this happens in the movies a lot. Yeah. I just don't know if you're like, will your eyes adjust to the salinity? Right. And I'm trying to, I you know, because I've been swimming in the sea and I can't think whether I've op- ever opened my eyes. I haven't because it hurts like a bitch. Yeah. It hurts. Okay. It's salt. Okay. So, uh, although I think, uh, you know, because there's like pearl divers and stuff, you know, like. Yeah, I guess so. I guess they do it. Do you open your eyes and see water? <laughs> We want to hear your story. <laughs> we really do. How did that come about? I like how somehow anytime we want information, this turns into the local news. <laughs> Before you know it, we're going to have some guy with a horrible toupee and a spray tan giving you the weather conditions for, uh, uh, where the hell do they live in Downton Abbey? Uh, uh, Rippin and... No, not Rippin. Uh, Sheffield. Uh, Downton... Grantham. 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 <laughs> that was embarrassing. We're losing our <laughs> grasp on the facts. Yeah, it's true. But we haven't, I mean, we really haven't, you know, thought about Downton for months. So, I mean, I've we've thought, thought about, about it, it, but like not in depth. I think about it every day. Well, okay. You're, you're a better podcaster than I. Mm hmm. Don't you forget it. <laughs> so, fortunately, Leo can withstand the salinity of yes. the seawater and he gets the keys and they manage to get out like just in the nick of time right right uh again yes uh, a lot of running around scenes at this point uh including two separate scenes of them trying to lower boats that were up on an upper deck and failing and knocking them over well that would have been where uh toby jones and vera bates were right right which is it just i mean and i think that that's true it just struck like that seemed like the sort of thing that a crew of sailors ought to be able to handle like is just you know getting those boats down but i don't know i mean it just seems like i mean yeah i mean i don't know either well, I it mean, just seems like that would be part of the drill a lot of the point. time when i have these sort of logistical problems with what's going on mm-hmm. i just sort of also try to remind myself oh hey these people are all panicking. Like, even the most seasoned sailors among them at this point. It's true. You know, the writing's on the wall. No, and I, there's just chaos, and it's hard. I mean, there's no order anymore. Yeah, that's true. Well, and I, you know, I tend to, I think, give sailors, like, overly much, too much credit. Or I, I, I always think that sailors, for whatever reason, I just respect them and think that they'll always, you know, keep their heads till the ship sinks. Because of Horatio Hornblower? Largely, cool. yes. Um... <laughs> I also enjoy how this podcast has turned into Tom's reading habits. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, but then especially once you, you say that about no leadership and about how, you know, Captain Smith just sort of. Oh, he just know, checked out. Yeah. yeah. So He's that's, gone. Yeah. He, yeah. I'm sorry, Mrs. Torrance. Captain Smith isn't <laughs> here right now. Yeah. Um, which is actually, I think that's the next scene here, is him being checked out and just sort of sleepwalking across the deck. No, and, and his officers really asking him, like, uh, hey, and he's like, um, Yeah, he just bye. wanders off. And I, I, I wrote down that his, his thought train at this point was, I tried to tell them I don't know how to steer a ship, but they were so impressed by my beard, they insisted. <laughs> I can actually see the subtext for the actor in this scene. Mm-hmm. You can just see it in his eyes. He's like... After this, I got a lock on that George C. Scott biopic. <laughs> uh, actually, right before that, Cal 
is talking to Murdoch, who because oh, he gave yeah, he yeah. he put the money in Murdoch's like jacket or whatever, right, right. and Murdoch is tr- still trying to hold everybody back. Yeah, and Cal's like, "We had a deal," and then Murdoch throws the money at him, mm-hmm. and this is kind of unremarkable, except for the fact that I remember every screening I went to <laughs> in the theater. It went crazy. <laughs> Everybody's like clapping and cheering and like, you tell him, you tell him. <laughs> like we all just, we were all so happy to finally see somebody throw his money back in his face. Yeah. Yeah. Even though it's the most contrived moment. Uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, unfortunately, Murdoch is not able to, uh, to keep order yeah and he uh shoots tommy ryan he does which is unfortunate because i love that guy i know i want to marry him well i guess that's out i know he got shot he did get shot in 1912 (laughs) (laughs) the good ones always do (laughs) (laughs) yeah all the good ones are taken or got shot in 1912 (laughs) yes Including Murdoch. Mm-hmm. Because he kills himself. Yeah. Which I have to say, you know, we're, we're not... Nobody here is advocating suicide. Yeah. But that seemed like... If you're going to kill yourself, that seemed like a pretty good time and motivation. For yeah. That so. that seems like a permanent solution to a permanent problem. Yeah. Because he's like, well, I can spend the last 20 minutes of my life before slowly freezing to death, like, failing to hold back a riot of people who are all also going to die. Or, or I, I can, can just... Yeah. I can opt out. Yeah. You know? I'm done. Yeah. I'm going galt. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that means, right? Shooting yourself in the head? Uh, let's start that rumor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, uh, the band is still going. Yes. Because of all that amphetamine they took. <laughs> thinking that they would be playing for a night of upper-class frivolity. <laughs> right. So they all, like, they come to a consensus. They're like, okay, we're done now. Yeah. And everybody everybody walks away. Uh, the, the cello player is, like, lugging his cello, and it is my favorite visual <laughs> gag that doesn't intend to be a visual. It's yeah. just like, yeah, you want to let that go, buddy? It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> no, except I, I disagree. I think, you know, the violinist could ditch theirs, but that cello might float. Like, that could give him Yeah, that's true. Wouldn't I, wouldn't save all of them though. Yeah, and it'd be hell on the cello. I think uh, I think it should. It would have been funnier if they just all smashed their instruments. You <laughs> yeah, <know? laughs> that, that, it would have been funnier. Yes, but they all uh, so they all walk away. But then one of the violinists is just like, "Fuck it, man! I'm just gonna keep playing." And then yeah. the rest of them are like, "Oh yeah, hey, this is gonna make a. You know what? We're gonna die, but what a great story! Uh, yeah, to tell someone else's grandchildren. <laughs> yeah, since we won't have any. Yeah." No, but I mean, you know, it's what you know. It is. It do? is fairly inspiring. Yeah, for some reason. Well, I mean, they weren't going to make it anyway. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they they've been playing music their whole lives. That's you know, true. You don't you don't make it as a professional musician without <sighs> doing it your whole life. I hope I die watching TV. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so uh, Jack and Rose continue uh, running apparently aimlessly through the the carcass of the Titanic. Right. And they come across <sighs> Victor Garber. Victor Garber. My my notes for the next probably 10 to 15 minutes of the movie consist of the single word, crying. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Rose is like, what do you... And, like, Victor Garber's face is like, you know, I'm just, just going to stay here. Yeah. And uh, he hands Rose a life vest yeah. in, like, the most empty gesture of all time. <laughs> He's like, well, I built this shitty ship, but uh, I got an extra life vest that helps. Yeah. So he stays there to die. Oh, just sad Victor Garber. Yeah. Oh, so sad. Yeah. And he adjusts the clock on the mantle. That's actually later. Is that later? In the montage. Well, I I think, I don't know. Again, my notes here. Well, this is where the montage kicks in because when the band starts up playing – that them the band playing under okay okay the montage all right so anyway so he's adjusting the clock and i'm like oh 
That's exactly what I would do, Victor Garber. I hate when clocks are wrong. Yeah. It drives me crazy. Well, plus, that way it'll help when they salvage the ship. They can see, ah, that's when it went underwater, yeah. you know. You know, fucking Greenwich Mean Time, bitches. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and just, ah, uh, this is such a horrifying sequence. Yeah. It is just the existential implications of the whole thing just caused me so much anxiety, particularly yeah. the scene of the captain. You know, he's on the bridge. Mm-hmm walled in by the glass and just i have no idea the name of that actor right me neither i never saw him in anything else again Mm. but just he does so much with a part that is severely underwritten yeah you know and and you can just see his face like am i doing the right thing yeah I, i don't but i mean what would you do right like it's like it's like a you know like a Beckett play, yeah. you know. Oh wait, no, that was Victor Garber. I guess they're both kind of <laughs> they're, they're both a bit Beckett esque. Yeah, waiting, well, waiting know, to die, trapped in a death of their own design. Yeah, yeah. And just ah, oh, it's so heartbreaking. And you just see all of these people, and they've all seen the writing on the wall, yeah. and they're all just going crazy. Yeah. And I mean, I would be a complete mess. Yeah. And this is like, that's why, I mean, really, this section of the movie up until the section that dare not speak its name, <laughs> right. uh, it's like the most effective 45 minutes of the movie. Oh, by far. Like, this is, and I mentioned it last week, this is when I would start to, like, this is what I was waiting for mm-hmm. when I got dragged to the movie was, yeah. was this this section. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and I don't know how many times I've seen this movie, probably about 10 or 12 total, and every time... With the the old couple in the bed. And the mom mom. telling the story, the old Irish fairy tales who were babies. I mean, we were not, you know, how how long have we been recording this? Uh, 40 some minutes. Okay. So like an hour ago, we were both like blubbering on the couch. We were. It's ridiculously sad. Yeah. Ridiculously sad. Yeah. If you don't cry at this movie, you're a monster. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We said it. <laughs> um no and i said actually in the greatest understatement in the history of this podcast <laughs> i was like boy this movie is depressing <laughs> because we couldn't remember what happened to uh to fabrizio yeah so tommy o'ryan got gut shot right and he did eventually bleed out on the deck yeah so fabrizio was like ah, i'm getting out of here right and so he kind of like got in the water but then the smokestack because, like, literally, we're like, oh, maybe Fabrizio lives. <laughs> yeah. And then the smokestack hit him. And we okay. were like, mm, no. nope. Life is a prank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He ain't beautiful no more. <laughs> uh, James Cameron does put in this random shot in this mo- montage of just some doors getting blown off. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I had a real emotional investment in those doors. Yeah. And later there's one of a like a china cabinet with all the plates falling off. For some reason that didn't bug me so much. Maybe because, like, of a Beauty and the Beast thing. <laughs> I just liked it because I had this vision of, like, James Cameron coming through before they did the shot and being like, no, damn it, there were only 174 plates in the <laughs> second China deck. <laughs> the second China deck. <laughs> Note, terminology may not be accurate. Uh, back to our erstwhile heroes. <laughs> right. So they're, guys. they're scrambling their way up the rapidly... Uh, tilting. tilting deck. Rose falls down and some guy just helps her up. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, what a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, really. Just randomly. Yeah. I would have kicked her. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been like, this is my deck, see? <laughs> you, you look like you float. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look at those boobs. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they fight their way up and at this point, the Titanic begins to resemble one of those swinging ship rides at the amusement park <laughs> right. where people are like, tastes great, less, less filling. <laughs> and uh, they just keep fighting their way up past the priest, leading everybody in prayer, which yeah. I got to give it to that priest. I do as well. Uh, I was- am... I am a very lapsed Catholic, but if I were in this situation, I would just be like, let's, <laughs> let's hedge our bets. God loves deathbed conversions, right? <laughs> right. No, but I mean, I, you know, you hand it to that priest. We have our issues with the church at times, but that is absolutely fulfilling your pastoral duties there, That's some buddy. good priesting. That is well done. Ah, oh, and then, like, and then it cuts to him when he's, like, he's at, like, losing it. Right. But he keeps just saying the words, and yeah. it's so affecting. Yeah, it really is. Um, 
Oh, and you know, then there's the hilarious line because there's a guy saying the Lord's uh, the Psalm 23. Mm-hmm. He's like, "And yea, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death," and Jack's like, "Can you wander a little faster?" Walker, walker, walker. Yeah. Like thanks, thanks for the levity, James Cameron. Yeah, and also Jack, thanks for insulting this man in the last moments of his life as yeah. he attempts to find some kind of peace. Uh, well, Tom, Jack is a survivor, <laughs> and you don't you don't survive without insulting other people <laughs> moments before their death. Is is he a survivor? That's what he said. Yeah, <laughs> time will tell. Yeah. Um. I don't know what inspired this, but I just have a note here that says, I wonder if the cruise industry took a hit in 97. (laughs) Well, if it wasn't this movie, it was Kathy Lee Gifford. (laughs) For some reason, I wrote down, oh, yeah, because Rose looks at Jack. They finally fight their way to the The, the railing, and they're clinging to it. And Rose looks at Jack and is like, Jack, this is where we first met. And I'm like, you do not appreciate the gravity of this situation. (laughs) Yeah. And Jack's like, oh, I was, I was stalking you before that. Yeah, I don't know I, you. Mm, mm, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't have mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the ship is going down. They're holding on, uh, and thanks to Jack's sudden mastery of the physics of sinking ships, <laughs> right? They they concoct a plan that before the the ship goes down, they will take a deep breath. And he says, hold on to my hand, which to me seems foolish because actually holding hands is so like that's yeah, the whole premise can't... of the game Red Rover <laughs> is that it's actually with enough force, very easy to break a link like that. Yeah. So they should have just linked elbows and held hands like they yeah. might have broken a wrist. But yeah, well, I also think I mean I just don't think they should have worried about that at all because that's just going to inhibit your swimming to mm-hmm. me. Like, just well, he tells her to just keep kicking, and I'm like, you know what else is good? Paddling. Yeah, paddling is great for that. <laughs> right. Well, and Rose obviously doesn't know how to swim. Mm. Uh, it doesn't really become obvious until later. But oh, okay, okay. To me, it looked like she was not a good swimmer. Okay. Um. Anyway, they do get ripped apart. Right. And I was like, yeah, that was the end of Jack Dawson. But uh, against all odds, they find each other. Yeah. Again. And, and this is something where we, you know, and I don't want to get to, because I honestly don't know, but just based on the fact that the lifeboats had to swim so far away to avoid the, the suction or whatever, like, like I just don't, it, to me, it, it seems beyond human strength. To, like, make it back up from the stern of the stinking ship like that. Yeah. Like, there would have been too much suction turbulence. I could be entirely but wrong. But in this movie, there's, you know, hundreds of people bobbing on the surface. Right. So... Right. You know, and that's... And, I know. mean, most of them were wearing life vests. That's so true. That's true. it's not clear how much of a role that would have to play. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. That's... Well, I mean, that's something that, you know, since I saw it in theaters has always struck me as a little sketchy. Yeah. But... That may be my fault. So uh, Jack has found a a door or something. It looks like a headboard to me. Yeah. But... So it's it's you know a piece of wood, elaborately carved, um, for for them to to light upon. Mm-hmm. So they do that. So they do that. And then we cut back to one of the boats that Kathy Bates is in, and mm-hmm. she's trying to rally everybody to go back, and, you know, the guy is mean to her. Right. And she's like, you're just lucky I don't have a block of wood and a hammer. <laughs> I'm not your biggest fan, but I'll kill you. <laughs> um, so then we do see uh, the pontoon getting put together. Uh, the head of that ship actually played by Ewan uh, Gruff. Fid. Fud? You know that Welsh guy. That Welsh guy who played Captain Horatio Hornblower. Oh, in the BBC Dizzle. Series. Yes. Who was always cool under pressure. <laughs> uh, and so he goes back and he's rowing through, you know, just a carpet of, of disfigured corpses. corpses. Yeah. And at this point, I was like, this movie's really macabre. And like, and it bothers me more now yeah. than it did then. I was like, yeah. Because I remember thinking that my mom was totally stupid uh-huh. because I saw this movie so many times. And yeah. she was like, I don't want to go see that movie. I don't need to see a movie where a mother and her baby are dead and frozen in the water. And I was like, you're a pussy, mom. I'm like, you're a baby. But now I'm like, ah! Yeah, now I see her point yeah, as well. Yeah. No, and uh, I meant to look this up, 
But, God, if they didn't win Best Makeup, Mm. like, these Frozen people look amazing. No, I'm pretty sure they did, because it won, like, 11 Oscars without winning for acting or writing. Yeah. So, it pretty much swept. (laughs) 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 All right. (laughs) It's true. Uh, okay. So at this point we get the classic, uh, oh, well before that was Jack telling Rose, never right. let go, like whatever. Yeah. We don't even need to talk about it. And that it. he's going to write a strongly worded letter to the white star line. Mm-hmm. She's like, I, I, I never liked your jokes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we come back to Rose and she sees that this boat has come back and she's shaking Jack, who is now obviously dead. Right. Uh, and Rose, you know, presumably her reaction time is not great. Yeah. So she's, like, upset, and I think she kind of makes up her mind to dive, and then she's like, oh, wait, I said I wouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I think, you know, I that's I felt during that scene in particular that I thought Kate Winslet did well with that scene. Mm-hmm, agreed. Um, you know, you do sort of see the, I mean, just the sort of, you know, not thinking clearly, but still you see sort of the process that she's going through. Yeah, so then she goes and rips the whistle out of this frozen dead guy's mouth which we saw earlier he had a whistle that he was blowing because she her voice she doesn't have enough voice to yell for the boat and they come over and get her yeah well Uh, and after after she lets uh the corpse of jack dawson which like honestly this always struck me the fact that his hand was frozen to her like Mm -hmm. she has to like not only has rigor mortis set in like he is literally stuck to her Uh uh-huh uh-huh uh and he goes down in exactly the same shot as that uh, scene in Romeo plus Juliet, speaking mm. of Baz Luhrmann. <laughs> yeah. Where, you know, Juliet is like, oh, I have a something about like a strange and right. horrible feeling. I mean, any, you know, any Leonardo DiCaprio movie that doesn't have an overhead shot of his corpse is just missing an opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> um. So she lets him go, and then we come back to uh, the frame narrative. The frame narrative. Which we said we weren't going to talk about, but you know what? we have repeatedly. Let's talk about it. Because, <laughs> Let's do it. Because, look, the granddaughter's crying. At first I was like, shut up, bitch. You've heard this story a million times. But then later, stupid old McOldy is like, oh, I've never talked about this before. Right. So I'm like, all right, fair play to you, granddaughter. Yeah, yeah. But Bill Paxton's face is just, tell me where the diamond is. <laughs> it's like, listen, my backers didn't fund me to find the human spirit lady. Make with the diamond. <laughs> uh, the, the X-Files guy, uh, which I hope we've been calling him the whole time. I think so. Uh, you mentioned it before. He's like, we never found any record of Jack. To which the entire audience responds, a doy. <laughs> yeah. Look under Sven. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Sven? Boy, that was really, Sven had a real opportunity there. I don't know if he had like any outstanding debts or anything like that, mm-hmm. but he, Sven was home free after yeah. this. He could start a new life as, you know, Carl mm-hmm. or Magnus. <laughs> Well, he could. Well, if you ever disappear, I know which first names to report to the police. (laughs) I'm not Swedish. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so then, like, apparently Bill Paxton has had this whole conversion about this stupid diamond and how he's like, oh, I've been looking for all this crap for three years. I never understood. And I'm like... Isn't your job to recover priceless artifacts? Yeah, like again, not not to learn humanity. Yeah, and also, I mean, I I find it hard to believe that he didn't at some point grapple with the fact that he is sort of a glorified grave robber. Right. Like you really should should consider that. You know, we all do things that fall into a moral gray area sometimes, <laughs> yeah. but we figure out how to deal with it right how to make your peace yeah he's got some like nice cigar and he's talking to the granddaughter yeah. and he's like oh, i was saving this for when i found the diamond and he throws it in the ocean and uh she's like mm, want to make out like <laughs> oh, i don't know what to tell you <laughs> <laughs> um yeah well we also had a little bit of of old rose uh you know going on a little bit about what happened after that because she changed her name changed mm-hmm. her name to rose dawson um she said that Cal uh, lost everything in the 
crash of 29 and put a bullet in his head. And then she says, at least that's what I read, with an expression that makes, I think she killed him. <laughs> I think she took the opportunity you know what? of the crash how to much, fake his suicide. How much of a better movie would that be? <laughs> Granted, there's no Victor Garber, but since there was no previous story of the Titanic... He could be cast in, you know, the role of the master assassin, you know, who <laughs> takes her under his wing. Yeah, that's true. And uh, there's no Leonardo DiCaprio, mm-hmm. except maybe in pictures or flashbacks that only last 15 seconds. <laughs> um, right. You know, it's like Kill Bill. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I think we're on to something yeah. with that. Kill Cal. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. So but uh, Billy Zane comes down to the deck for they're keeping all of the vermin from a steerage. <laughs> right. And, you know, some officer helpfully points out that none of his people will be down there. Mm-hmm. And he looks around for Rose completely not thoroughly. Because right. she's right in front of him. Right. She's right there. She's just got a scarf over her head. Like and he doesn't it. even bother looking for, like, he doesn't, like, I mean, you're first class. You could literally, like, just pull things off of people's heads. And punch them. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody would convict you. <laughs> That's for not being my wife. <laughs> so our last shot of, of young Rose is looking up at the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Uh, and which is weird because she's an American. Like, who cares? <laughs> right. We see it every day. <laughs> no matter where we live. <laughs> That's right. Every window in America looks out on the Statue of Liberty. Little known fact. Yep. <laughs> but she finds, oh, she has the diamond, which we actually already knew. Right. Because right. that was part of, like... Yeah, Billy yeah, Zane yeah. was like, oh, I put the diamond in the coat. I gave the coat to her. Right. <laughs> it puts the diamond in the coat or else it gets the hose again. Yes. Then we cut to stupid old Lady Rose. I yes. hate her because she gets all moralistic about the Titanic. Right. And it's like, I understand that you did the sums in your head. <laughs> but like. Yeah. I don't Most everybody was dead anyway. Yeah. Like there's. It's something on this magnitude, you know, it's it's just something that was completely unanticipated. Right. It was, you know, and she doesn't bother to mention that maritime law and standards were changed because of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that it was good that it happened. Right. But it really did wake people up mm-hmm. and force them to consider these worst case scenarios. Yeah. But I guess she was too busy flying planes and throwing pottery. Apparently. To pay any damn attention. Like, to me, the end of her story should have been, you know, she tells a story. She tells how she uh, changed her name to Dawson and then says, well, with no name or family, naturally, I turned to prostitution. Five years later, I died of consumption in a gin bar down by the battery. (laughs) This whole conversation was just an LSD trip. (laughs) And it's just... It turns out it's just that X Files guy masturbating alone in his cabin. <laughs> <laughs> to that picture they found. <laughs> yes. So to recap, <laughs> yeah. she gets off the boat in New York. New York, right? Yeah, New York. Okay, she gets off the boat. Oh, yeah, because. Right. Yeah. <laughs> In one of the 50 states where you can see the Statue of Liberty from every... That's like something Sarah Palin would have said. Uh, That's true. Anyway, so she gets off the boat with the most valuable diamond in existence, apparently. Yeah. Which I can only imagine is now millions of times more valuable because everybody thinks it's at the bottom of the motherfucking sea. (laughs) That's right. So you get off the boat and keep this very valuable memento from a man you hated mm-hmm. and yet still somehow manage to build a life for yourself? Yeah. There are a lot of missing chapters in that story. Well, and I mean, your mom survived. Cal survived. Yeah. I'm, I'm willing to bet that she could have evaded them. But yeah. to survive... I don't. I. What did she do? Yeah. What What did she do? How did she afford that plane? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Maybe she put up that diamond as collateral. Yeah, yeah, that could be. And was a shrewd businesswoman. I. She must have been. She. Uh, she I, got a hell of a drawing out of Jack for only a dime. <laughs> that's true. Well, and I'm sure she had plenty of experience in handling money. Anyway. I hope she didn't take after her father. <laughs> yeah. 
No, but I just anyway. Yeah, so no, it is. It is like, come on. The only good thing that comes out of the last scene where stupid, dumb, dumb old lady Rose, <laughs> go, she goes out on the deck in a thin white nightgown, right, barefoot, yeah, in the North Atlantic, <laughs> right, where the Titanic sank, where she almost froze to death before. <sighs> Climbs up in her decrepit old lady feet, and she looks like a cat trying to, like, climb a glass window. It's true. And drops this vat. The whole point, Uh, the whole reason nice, stupid Bill Paxton invited you and your bangable granddaughter out here was to find that fucking diamond. And listen to your whole interminable story. So she drops it in the ocean, and the only good thing that came out of that was the video for Britney Spears is lucky. Okay? (laughs) So she does that and then promptly dies. Yeah. So I'm like, so you just put a valuable, potentially non-conflict diamond. I don't don't know. They didn't have the conflicts yet. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been fine. Uh, You just threw that away, and now you're dead. Great. <laughs> Super. I'm yeah. really. Mm-hmm. And not only that, when she dies, and I think I got angry and talked about this in the first one. It's possible. When she dies, <laughs> she goes back to the staircase on the Titanic. It's like, welcome to hell, Rose. <laughs> You're stuck on this fucking ship forever. Everyone you hated is here. <laughs> so he goes and Jack is there and they kiss and everybody else applauds. Yeah. So they're all also clearly in hell. Oh, right. I don't understand. They're like, this is the first interesting thing that's happened in a hundred years. <laughs> For God's sake, give us rest. <laughs> maybe, maybe that is what happened to Lovejoy. That, that could be. He rounded up all their souls <laughs> and sucked them into a vortex. <laughs> And funneled them all down into this special circle of hell for people who died on the Titanic. And finally, at the end, he's like, Rose, my collection is at last complete. <laughs> now, play chess on this giant chessboard. <laughs> we have some strange theories about this movie. <laughs> and that's the end of Titanic, that you guys. Is. That's yeah. how it ends. Mm-hmm. Not with a whimper, but with applause. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah, yeah. Also, no one was rooting for them. Like, no <laughs> one no, liked no. them. Nobody thought it was a good idea. Like, They're Victor Garber liked her, but he seemed like he had ulterior motives to me. He liked her. That doesn't mean he yeah. wanted her to end up with some shiftless, no-good gypsy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry if anybody listening to this podcast is a gypsy. Yeah, I, I am too. Tom is way too much influenced by Madonna. I, I'm just speaking in. Victor oh wait, no, Garber's she likes words. gypsies. Sure. I, I never... felt like there was some celebrity who spoke out against gypsies. <laughs> <laughs> now might be a prudent time to let everyone know that I'm operating on about five hours of sleep. So there's that. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's Titanic. <laughs> that's Titanic. We're taking a break from Titanic. Yes. Uh, uh for, a well a, for a while. Yeah. Like, I think we need to. Yeah. And I mean, we still got all of Blood and Steel sitting on our DVR. Not to mention the legend <laughs> continues. I know. Which, by the way, anybody out there, if you can help us find that, I've tried to find it on the internet and thus far have failed. Yeah. So if you've got a hot tip, <laughs> right. we'll take it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but we'll be back in a couple weeks with A Room with a View. Mm-hmm. So until next time, up, up yours, yours downstairs.
Next.